Rinkwide Vancouver. A heck of a hockey game down in the Lone Star State. The Vancouver Canucks with a late goal to go in front 3-2. They thought maybe that would be enough to get the victory, but the Dallas Stars wouldn't go quietly. They tie it up a minute and a half later, off to overtime, and the Stars pull it out on a Matt Duchesne goal, his 11th of the season, with 10 ticks left on the clock. And the Dallas Stars defeat the Vancouver Canucks by a score of 4-3. to three. They say everything's bigger in the Lone Star State, and that includes the talking points here on Rink-Wide Vancouver, a presentation of Betway. It's Jeff Patterson, joined by Matt Sikaris. And uh, you can't win them all, Matt, uh, but another solid effort from the Vancouver Canucks. They get a point. That's points in eight straight hockey games, but this one's going to smart. And I think the Canucks have evolved to the point where they want to believe that they can see these leads through the record when they take a lead to the third period is impeccable this year. They get the lead with five to go. They'll get a single point, but... I'm sure they want that bonus point back. Yeah, this one hurts, but by the same token, 2-0-2 on the road trip. Jeff, they're managing their losses here. That's what good teams do, as you mentioned, points in eight straight. Now, the biggest thing that might have been sacrificed tonight was the ego stroke of moving past the Vegas Gold Knights because had they won this hockey game, they would have done just that with Vegas losing this evening to Tampa Bay. And we've been talking on Sakarison Price, Jeff, that – there is a huge difference between first place and second place in the Pacific, the way the Western Conference playoff picture is shaping up. But a really fun game tonight down in Texas. Some you know momentum swings back and forward. And, boy, what more can you say about the play of this third line oh. with Teddy Bluger, Dakota Joshua, and Connor Garland? I thought Joshua and Garland were the two best Canucks this evening. And this has been, what, a month, six weeks now? where you have gotten everything and more out of your third line. Uh, Sadly, tonight, they didn't have enough help from their teammates. No, in the end, they kind of waste Connor Garland's first goal in forever. you got to go back to a road game in Montreal in the middle of November, 19 games. Now, he's been playing well. He's playing hard. Nobody's questioning the effort, but... Yeah, you'd like a little bit more output, uh, although great setup to Dakota Joshua to open the scoring three minutes into the hockey game. Again, that line, the fire starter, if you will, for the Vancouver Canucks. Teddy Bluger in on two goals in this hockey game. He pushes his point streak to a career-best five. So, yeah, that line in lockstep, without a doubt. And I joked that maybe Rick Tockett should have just rolled that line, the three of them, in overtime at some point. The way that they're going, again, the Canucks, you play overtime and... Uh, this was the classic example of why maybe some changes are required in overtime. It was all about puck possession. It wasn't about entertainment, but you play for that one grade A opportunity and Elias Pettersson, he had it after a nifty defensive play. Again, Dakota Joshua doing his thing at the blue line, breaks up the play, and then the two of them are off to the races. On a 2-on-0, I know it's sort of conventional hockey wisdom to move the puck around a little bit. I wonder, though, in hindsight, if... Maybe Dakota should have just stepped back and said to EP40, you take it from here because ultimately a two-on-O, it looked so promising. And really, I didn't like the scoring chance that they generated it, uh, out of it. And Scott Wedgwood there to make the stop. And moments later, it's uh, Matt Duchesne on the breakaway, gets a step on Quinn Hughes, who played a lot in overtime and played a lot again. Maybe a little bit of fatigue there. Maybe just a quick lapse of judgment. Whatever the case, Matt Duchesne is having a heck of a season, his 11th of the year. That looked like earlier in his career, Matt Duchesne made no mistake beating Thatcher Demko for the winner 
with uh, 10 and change left on the clock. What's the uh, most number of goals by a player who's been bought out, Jeff? I would like to put a nickel on Matt Duchesne and where he's going to push that total this season for the Dallas Stars on Garland. First goal in 19 games, and Jeff, we've been talking about how well he's been playing for most of that stretch, nearly a quarter of the season. It had me thinking, I want to shout out Frankie Corrado, because today on Sakaris and Price, I said, Frank, how long can you go with very little production out of Garland? And he said, the way he's been playing and all the underlying metrics, you watch the production will be just around the corner. So well done on Frank, goal and assist for Connor Garland this evening. And Jeff, what would be the discussion around this player in the pre-analytics world? When analytics weren't quite as central to the discussion of hockey games, hockey players, hockey teams as they are now. So great work from Garland today on overtime. And I hear what you're saying with all the regrouping and all that. And we're seeing more and more of that, but even when OT's bad, it's good. <laughs> you know, though there's still those great sure. moments of anticipation where you can hardly uh, wait to see what happens next, even if you can barely watch. And as for the Elias Pettersson, Dakota, Joshua, two on O, two deferential Jeff. And I do mean the number two, I think Patterson passes to Joshua because he's having the game and he's on a heater here. And I think Joshua passes back to Patterson because he can't believe he's on a two on no with Elias Patterson. And no, I mean, obviously uh, something that could have gone a little bit different for the Vancouver Canucks. But really, when you look at this hockey game, Jeff, they're outshot in every single period, including the overtime they're outplayed throughout the game as well. They get a one nothing lead and they have a 3-2 lead. And I suppose you can say, you know, as good as they've been with the first goal this year and as good as they've been with leads in the third period, that they could have done better. But I'm not sure they should have done better. I, I thought the Dallas Stars were the better hockey club tonight and fully deserving of the two points. Yeah, this was four and six all out on the road. We said at the outset of this trip, it started in Minnesota and then on to Chicago but both Nashville and Dallas were going to be tough tests. They passed the test in Music City with flying colors, but at the tail end of this trip, four and six against a Dallas team that hadn't played since Monday, this was always going to be difficult. Look, there are other good teams in the National Hockey League, and the Dallas Stars are one of them. They've picked up points in five straight now. It's just the fact that the Canucks are playing games with such significance, and I go back to November 4th when Dallas was in town here in Vancouver, and I remember saying to you then that my takeaway that night, a 2-0 win for the Canucks, was the crackle in the building, the big game feel. It was early in the season. Obviously, we weren't there, but we're watching from afar. In that third period, it's a two-all tie. Nobody wanted to give an inch. That had a bit of a playoff feel to it. And Rick Talkins talked about this, that this team has to get comfortable playing in some uncomfortable situations, that a lot of these guys haven't been through that in games that have significance. And again, we're not even at Christmas yet. And so there will be bigger games ahead against tougher opponents, but the Canucks held their own and eventually get the goal, the go-ahead goal, and you think, my goodness, they're going to pull this out. But I credit to the Dallas Stars. This is a good Dallas team. Uh, Well-coached by Peter DeBoer, uh, balanced scoring up front. They don't lean on one player in particular. They've got uh, a handful. You know, Matt Duchesne is part of that handful, and, and he's been good. And you know, nobody talks about Thomas Harley. The guy's got nine goals. He's tied Quinn Hughes now. Four goals by defenseman in the National Hockey League, and that was a big one. Canucks win that faceoff, too. That was the, the unfortunate part. They win the draw cleanly. Miller gets it behind the net. Ian Cole, kind of a soft chip around the boards, and Dakota Joshua wasn't quite able to get there in time. 
And the Stars kept the puck in the zone. Heskinen gets it to Robertson, to Harley, and and Thomas Harley makes no mistake, beating Thatcher Demko, who, by the way, suffers his first ever loss to the Dallas Stars. Was 7-0 coming into this one. So he's picked up points in all eight games against the Stars, but all good things must come to an end. And yeah. so did Thatcher Demko's victory streak against this Dallas hockey club. Two really good teams put on a nice show. I mean, mm-hmm. it was just, it's a lot of fun. And, and I think this, for me, is the excitement part that, with a record of 22-9-3 now, they're up to 47 points. They've caught Vegas. They have the tiebreaker. So if you look at NHL.com, they're going to be at the top of the heap for, for this night. And both teams still have one game to go before Christmas. Vegas is at Florida, and the Canucks at home to San Jose. So there's still a chance for the Canucks to be the outright points leaders in the National Hockey League by the Christmas break. But this is what excites me is with 47 points already, the Canucks have positioned themselves that – all indications are there is going to be playoff hockey here in Vancouver. And so we can anticipate more of these kinds of games in the second half. And it's just been a long, long time coming. And thanks for picking me up there and correcting me because with the point in overtime, they do pull into a 47-point time with Vegas, albeit with the tiebreaker based on regulation wins. So that is first place in the National Hockey League by points, if not point percentage. After uh, the steaming point percentage, the Canucks still third place there. In fact, tied with Vegas in points percentage. And, and Dallas, with that victory, moves ahead of the red-hot Winnipeg Jets uh, in the Central Division. And, and that's a pretty good battle there as well, yeah. much like the Pacific, a three-way battle there. And there's some pretty odd comments coming out of Colorado these days yeah. with the Abbott's first Devon Taves calling his teammates out. So uh, a couple of races to watch here in the Western Conference between six teams that Let's face it, Jeff, and let's expand on the point we just made about big difference between first place and second place in the Pacific. The West is really shaping up as these big six teams and then effectively a turtle derby for the wild cards. I, I saw your piece on Canucks Army the other day of just how few points it's looking yeah. like might make the playoffs in wild card position. And look, one of those wild cards could well be the Edmonton Oilers. And of course, they would be most dangerous in a playoff series because of McDavid and Dreisaitl. But Jeff, the alternative, if the Canucks could happen to finish first in the Western Conference, how about a middling Nashville or St. Louis team in the first round? It's possible. Arizona? Exactly. You know, like whomever, like take a pick, throw a dart at some of these teams, Minnesota even. So uh, to me, that's the gambit here. Uh, Not quite at the halfway point of the season, but January onwards. And certainly if you're going to get aggressive by the trade deadline, then I would suggest you get as aggressive as you can, as soon as you can. Rutherford known as being an early mover when it comes to trading. Get as aggressive as you can, as early as you can, because finishing first above Vegas in LA and forcing them into a first round showdown while you potentially get a Minnesota, Nashville, Arizona, whomever, is a massive advantage, particularly for a club, a Canucks club, that is not playoff seasoned like a lot of the teams around them. Right, and so games like this are important. And yeah, again, they would have liked to come out of Dallas with two points and another victory, but I do think that just the experience of playing these other good teams, these now give the Canucks a bit of a baseline. They had trouble breaking down Minnesota on Saturday at the outset of the road trip. Here they end up scoring three goals, all at even strength. So that wasn't so much the issue, but the same problem they had in Minnesota sort of reared its ugly head here again. 
And I mean, this is part of the broader conversation, and I'm sure Andre Kuzmenko's name will come up a little bit later on. I don't want to go down that road just yet. But Matt, they went over three on the power play, two full power plays and one abbreviated power play, almost five minutes of power play time. Forget the fact that they didn't score a goal against the Dallas Stars, who are the third best penalty killing team in the National Hockey League. They didn't no register shots. a single shot on goal. Yeah. Now, I thought they had some decent puck movement on one of their two power plays in the second period, but I mean, we're grasping here to give them praise for nice puck movement. These are NHLers. These are the best guys. These are some of the leading scorers in the National Hockey League. You got to do more than move the puck around. And so in these tight games, the Canucks have to believe, and I think they want to believe, that their power play is a difference maker that can win them some games, but it's got to start with pucks on net. And that was one of my takeaways from this game tonight was in a tight game for most of the night, you know, it wasn't a ton of power play time either way. But like the Minnesota game, where a power play goal maybe could have been the difference maker and tipped things in the Canucks' favor, power play just uh, looking a little too stagnant for my liking. Well, only 20 shots on the night, Jeff. Yeah. So uh, not a lot of shots on the power play, not a lot of shots at even strength either. I believe it's three for the last 25 on yeah. the power play. And as you know, Shorthouse and Tomlinson pointed out, Quinn Hughes is doing a lot less shooting. He's a lot less aggressive than he was earlier the season, walking that line and infiltrating and looking for his own shot and his own offense. couple of things there. Number one, you have a scorching power play like Vancouver did earlier in the year. Teams are going to make adjustments. I think we have seen a little bit of that. Secondly, you know, the alignment with Philipronic there, you do have to wonder whether that gets the best out of Quinn Hughes and what he can do on the power play where he is so special as opposed to Andre Kuzmenko. And you brought up his name and said it won't be long until we talk about him. So let me take the first swipe here, if you don't mind, J-Pat. I kept an eye on Pius Suter and Phil DiGiuseppe tonight because these are the two guys that Rick Tockett has chosen to play in advan instead of his 39-goal scorer from last year. And I got to say, I was getting behind the idea of Pius Suter on that right wing with Elias Pettersson on the top line, and I still think it deserves more time if Kuzmenko isn't going to play. Uh, more than three games, I think, is necessary to cast some judgments, and I do think it could possibly work there. You listen to Elias the other night. He talks about how, well, Pius is a, suitor, uh, is a center, and so he's a little more confident being able to go down and get deeper in the offensive zone. That can be interpreted a little bit in terms of Kuzmenko and not knowing where he's going to be and not being as trustworthy defensively as a back checker, but a very, very quiet evening for the Elias Pettersson, P.U. Suter, it was. and Ilya Mikheyev trio. And then the other guy you're choosing to play instead of him is Phil DiGiuseppe. I don't even think Shorthouse and Thompson called his name in the first couple of periods. So if you're going to make the active choice that it's DiGiuseppe in the lineup as opposed to Kuzmenko and Suter on the top line as opposed to Kuzmenko, you need an off. You need an awful lot more from both gentlemen than you got this evening, because you know there were times in that hockey game, especially the three power plays. You note where Andre Kuzmenko could have been an asset. Phil Giuseppe played seven minutes and fifty-four seconds in this hockey game. No shots. No shot attempts. Had one hit and one blocked shot. The shots at even strength with PDG on the ice were nine nothing in favor of the Dallas Stars. It goes much further than that, though, Matt. And I've kind of been waiting here 
Like, I'm done with this Kuzmenko versus PDG. Filthy Giuseppe was a nice story coming out of training camp and earned a spot. That's fine. I have no no, no issues with that. And but played well in the early going. The we early should going. give him the first his, 10 games he play, played. His mm. play has faded to the point where he became a candidate to come out of the lineup, and it's happened a couple of times. But Filthy Giuseppe has one goal in his last 24 games. It was an empty netter in Montreal. The last time he beat an NHL goaltender was at home against St. Louis on the 27th of October. We're coming up on the 27th of December here. He's gone 12 games without a point. And if he's not going to be physical, then I think it's fair to ask, what does he do mm-hmm. around here? A bit of penalty killing, but they've got so many guys now that Suter and Bluger and they're completely healthy up front. Again, I come back to a power play that is scuffling along and you've got a guy who, I get it, isn't playing like the 39-goal scorer of a year ago, but he was part of this power play that was lights out good in the early going this season. It's time to get him back there. Yes. It's time to reinsert Kuzmenko, live with a few of his warts here, and see if he can't play himself to a level that can help this hockey club because, quite frankly, when Philly Giuseppe's in there, nothing, nothing is, is happening. Nothing is happening. He's got six shots in seven games, Jeff, so, uh, this month. So you're quite right. If you're going to have a fourth-line winger play so seldomly, I much prefer the difference that Andre Kuzmenko can make for you. And I suspect Talkin would say, well, yeah, he makes a difference at both ends. But the difference that Andre Kuzmenko can make for you on the power play and as an offensive player when you're needing the goal than whatever Phil DiGiuseppe gives you because Phil DiGiuseppe does not have a specialty like Andre Kuzmenko. That much is clear. So we'll see what they do for San Jose on Saturday. I would think he has to get back in after a game like this where, again, the two guys that you've chosen to play in spots didn't do a whole lot. Yeah, I think the door is certainly open. I understood Tockett's thinking coming off a, a really solid team performance in Nashville the other night. And it made it difficult. Where Di Giuseppe played 14 minutes. Yep. I mean, that was big minutes for him by by uh, by recent standards. But his line, as we said, got pinned an awful lot in this hockey game. They were on for the, the 2-1 goal. Look, if Phil Di Giuseppe wants to stay in the National Hockey League, I think he is a depth player on a good team. And right now they're completely healthy. I'm not sure that they need him in the lineup. I mean, his utility is penalty killing, but I, I think they've got enough bodies that can provide that for the Vancouver Canucks. And it just, to me, it feels like it's time to give Kuzmenko a run here. He can be a game breaker, Phil DiGiuseppe. Uh, that is just not in his playbook. Now, I thought they had one good shift early in the third period. Jeff, it came on the heels of yet another good shift from the from the third line. But you're, you're quite right. Uh, I mean... The rest of the game, the fourth line was just absolutely destroyed. Right. And and that third line, which is their best line right now, uh, they get the two goals that we talked about. The other one comes from Brock Besser. I mean, it takes us 15 minutes before we even met. Oh, yeah, 24 now for, for Brock Besser. It just becomes a nightly occurrence. You, you almost take it for granted. And what a shot. I mean, if he's 24, that is right up there at the top of the list of the prettiest goals that he has mm-hmm. scored. That is big-time, big-league stuff for Brock Besser, set up by JT Miller, who had a mixed bag of a game because it was a nice feed to Besser. Uh, he set up Philip Hironik uh, when it was a 2-2 tie in the third period off the rush. Won that faceoff that we talked about that resulted in the tying goal. But something that's not getting talked about an awful lot here is JT Miller's gone six games without a goal and has just one in his last eight. Now, it's not an issue because 
the other players, depth guys are stepping up. They're contributing. Offense hasn't really been an issue, but JT is one of their game breakers, and he has one goal. It came at home against Carolina. I didn't think this was Quinn Hughes's finest night, and we've said that a few times here of late, and I do wonder if uh, the heavy schedule and everything else uh, is catching up to him, but uh, he's got nine without a goal. For a guy that, you know, his shot was this revelation in the early going. He was taking it a lot. It was getting through. He was beating goaltenders from different angles. He's got nine without a goal. Just one in his last 15 hockey games now. So his production has slowed. There's no doubt. And I think some of that comes back to that conversation we were having about the power play. He is the straw that stirs that drink. And I, I want to see him get back. And again, teams are adjusting. I get that. Uh, you do that against the terrific players. But the true greats in the league, they then adjust and find new ways uh, to elevate their game. And so, you know, it was just an average game from Quinn Hughes. Still pretty good. 26 minutes and change. Played a lot in overtime. But... Uh, would like to see him be a difference maker at the offensive end. And unfortunately, Matt Duchesne zips past him and scores the yeah. winner at 4.49 of OT. High danger chances in this hockey game at even strength. Dallas, pretty one-sided, uh, more than a 2-1 to one margin, 10-4. to four. I thought Thatcher Demko was good for the most part. I'm sure he'll be kicking himself, giving up four goals in a hockey game. I like the strategy, though, of going with Casey DeSmith and getting the victory the other night in Nashville allowed a rested Thatcher Demko to be ready here. And boy, did they need him because you mentioned the, the final shots were 36-20. And I thought he was really good up until there was five minutes to go. And then he gives up. Uh, and, yeah. you know, would you love a save on the Harley goal? Sure. Uh, the Duchesne one, I think that's Matt Duchesne on a breakaway with speed. is 11th in the season. He's beaten a, a bunch of goaltenders this year. So, uh, you know, I don't really have issues with the way Thatcher Demko performed. And again, maybe it doesn't even get to overtime Without yeah. Thatcher Demko, there were a few chances along the way. Dodonov had that with about three minutes to go. How did he miss? That. I don't know. <laughs> I, I never saw a replay, but I, I don't know how, yeah. how he missed. So You're quite right about Hughes, quite right about Demko. But, Jeff, three, three of their four lines weren't going tonight. Yep. You had three of 12 forwards who I think can say they played a good hockey game. Besser with a great shot. Miller had a couple of moments. Patterson had a couple of moments. But... Altogether, I mean, we mentioned Suter. KF didn't do a whole lot. Nope. Hoaglander didn't do a whole lot tonight. And the fourth line, as we mentioned, forget about it. But even the, like, outside of Besser's goal, there wasn't a whole lot. You know, no, he and JT no. didn't have He's a not whole in lot my goal. notes a whole yeah. lot here. I mean, he's looking to shoot right now, and as he should, 24 goals, second in the league. We're kind of uh, it's a throwback with Brock Besser to when he was a younger player and scoring from from everywhere and shooting as often as he as he. Was then so yeah that that should continue, um, given given the season that he's having. Early second period things got very low event there, yes. uh, very very low event, and I turned to you with about ten eleven minutes left and just said I'm not sure I love their chances here. There wasn't a ton going on for the Vancouver Canucks when anyone other than that third line was on the ice. You know, Quinn Hughes was certainly looking to be more of a setup guy, particularly in the third period tonight. There was the one play where um, Lafferty centered to Di Giuseppe, who was streaking towards the net. That was really the one time you even noticed Di Giuseppe and to a lesser degree Lafferty, but too many passengers tonight and, and deserving losers. And some of that perhaps chalked up to, again, the end of a road trip. And it was uh, it got progressively tougher going up against a good Dallas hockey club. So 
Uh, Canucks have taken three of four from the Stars. And, and again, I think that's sort of the learning here is that it's hard to get too worked up about getting a single point at the end of a road trip, right. a road trip where they get points in all four, you know, one regulation loss in their last nine hockey games. You do that. Yeah. You're going to continue to pack points away here and move in the right direction. Second overtime game of the road trip as well on yep. top of four of six. So no, uh, if the heavy legs caught up with them, particularly a Dallas team that had had two nights off prior to this hockey game and at home. Yeah. That's understandable. This team needs a break. There's no doubt. They've played a lot. That November schedule was compressed. This has been a, a run uh, up to Christmas. They've got the one more to go on Saturday against San Jose. And then the schedule really does thin out. They have one game between Christmas and New Year's. It's a home game against the Philadelphia Flyers. And then they don't play again until Jan 2nd against the Ottawa Senators. Then they head out on a, a seven-game road trip that'll be difficult. But you know, by then, they should be rested, refreshed. Who knows about Carson Soucy? Maybe they get him back at some point here over the next 10 days or so. They said six to eight weeks when he got injured in that game in Montreal, that was November the 12th. So we're sort of at the five-week mark here. Again, though, they are remarkably healthy. Outside of Carson Soucy, this team, you know, this is the time to put the, the pedal down. And they've done a nice job of that. They're 6-0-2 in their last eight hockey games. They are 22-9-3 with 47 points. And they're not looking up at anybody in the NHL standings. It really has been a remarkable run here through 34 games. They'll play number 35 on Saturday at home against the San Jose Sharks and then uh, get themselves a little bit of a holiday break. We've got a lot ahead here on Rinkwide Vancouver. We'll get uh, some comments from the coach and uh, perhaps player as well. Uh, we'll get to our Rinkwide Vancouver three-star selection. We'll have the stat that stands out, some listener feedback as well. So plenty to go as uh, we continue to break down a 4-3 Vancouver Canucks loss to the Dallas Stars in overtime. Matt Duchesne, the winner, his 11th of the season at 4:49 of the extra period. But before we go any further, Matt, Time for our Betway bet of the day. And before that, let me just say I'm mighty intrigued as to, you know, they were the losing team tonight, so probably just one of the three stars. I'm mighty intrigued to see how you parse Dakota Joshua and Connor Garland this <laughs> evening on the three stars. Betway bet of the daytime, Montreal into Chicago Friday after playing an overtime game and losing in Minnesota this evening. Hey, there's not a lot of winnable games on the Chicago Blackhawks schedule, but this may be one of them. North Shores, Connor Bedard, make it a happy Christmas for him. Going to take the Hawks paying 183. Must be 19 plus to play. Please play responsibly. There you go. That's our Betway bet of the day. 4-3 stars over the Canucks. This is Rinkwide Vancouver. Vancouver Canucks on their way home from Dallas after a four-game road trip that started in Minnesota with a shootout loss to the Wild, then into Chicago, beat Connor Bedard and the Blackhawks, to Nashville where they were big winners on Tuesday, and the end of the line was Dallas here, and they maybe ran out of gas a little bit in that third period. 4-3 the final. The Stars win it in overtime on a Matt Duchesne goal. It's Rick Wide Vancouver. Jeff and Matt with you here we're going to hear from Rick Tockett uh, momentarily, and I know that the coach was asked after the game about looking down at all these other teams in the National Hockey League and the standings, and he's been pretty good about uh, preaching, you know, day at a time and who are we and all that kind of stuff, but uh, I do think that they have to recognize the hard work that they have put in and the fact that you don't get to the top of the standings without winning a lot of hockey games, and they have done that 22 
of their 34 games now. The Canucks have come out on top, but it wasn't the case in this one. And Rick Tockett was asked after the game about the effort level of his hockey club and if he thought that perhaps uh, fatigue caught up to the Vancouver Canucks. Well, better after the first, I think, you know, obviously that's a, a really good hockey team. Um, you know, we didn't have a lot of energy, but I thought we grinded it. That's what's good about this team. Didn't have energy, we stuck with it. We had the lead. And obviously in the third goal, uh, their tying goal, you know, we kind of made a couple of mistakes and it's uh, it's internet if we, you know, um, and then we had a 2-1-0 and uh, overtime. So we had a chance to win the game. Well, there you go. You can hear him talking about that third goal. He didn't want to go too far down the road, the, mm-hmm. the tying goal, but uh, you could almost hear him gritting his teeth or clenching his teeth a little bit. Uh, and now, look, they did so well to get the 3-2 lead and then to give it away ultimately that set the stage for overtime. So they'll take their single point, but this is a team right now that they want to every yeah. time out. As Jody uh, messaged us on the rink-wide Vancouver Post, uh, Miller blew the zone there. There haven't been a lot of those sorts of mistakes that we saw far too much of last year, particularly in the early part of the season. The other thing that stands out there, Jeff, is he talks about they don't have a lot of energy, but they grind it. How many times last year and earlier in the season did we hear, I don't care if you're tired, you've got to find a way on days that you're tired to still be effective. So I think that's a little bit of a a snapshot into the coach, and he was very complimentary of the group Tuesday after Nashville. I mean, Rob Williams said to us today on Sakaris and Price, when is the last time you've had a coach come out and just praise top to bottom the defensive effort of the club over a long period of time? And Taka was doing that on on Tuesday. So I, I, I think that's a coach who understood they were in a tough spot right now and playing four and six in a second overtime game since Saturday. But for the most part, is quite pleased that his message is is being received across a large number of the players and the club on most nights. We're going to hear from Connor Garland in a sec, but one more from Tockett here, and clearly the players were interviewed first, and then the coach came out and met with the media because uh, he was asked about the fact that the players that spoke after the game were disappointed, were frustrated. The end of a road trip, game is there, a chance to win and come home, put in an exclamation mark, and Rick Tockett was asked about the fact if that speaks to the notion that expectations have been raised around here with the success that they've had, that it's all right for guys to be frustrated. They should be pleased getting a single point, but this team wants more. Rick Talk was just asked about the reaction of some of his players. I mean, you have the lead, three minutes left, then you have a 2-0 in overtime. You know, guys are guys are upset about it. But, you know, hey, we grinded out. It's four and six. You know, it's a tough building. We got some, you know, getting a point, a point in the last eight, nine games or whatever, so... Um, yeah, it's good to be it's good to be upset, but uh, you know, just uh, keep your head up and we'll uh, we'll march on. And again, the coach there talking about four and six and in a tough building, and all of that is very true. But you know, I, I sort of make this point that you know what else is tough is playoff hockey, and that's where they want to go. And these are all these little building blocks that I think they can take. Uh, some of the experiences here, again, they come up a goal short at the end, but they played hard. You'd like a little bit more, as we talked about in that opening segment, from your stars and your different makers. But I do think that for a lot of these guys, this is all just part of the evolution of learning to play in these tough hockey games. The players may have been upset, but the coach didn't sound so upset. Nope. And that's a pretty great place to arrive at as a hockey club, Jeff, where the players are kicking themselves for leaving a point out there on the ice, but the head coach looks around and goes, you know what? Got a loser point at the end of a tough road trip with a second overtime game in uh, of the week, if you will. 
put it this way, there have been losses that have landed harder sure. with Rick Tockett this year than this one, because I think the other thing that Rick Tockett is messaging, and you heard some of it here, they very much need Saturday's game against San Jose. Saturday's game is the difference between a Merry Christmas and a bah humbug, Jeff. Because, no, I mean, to lose the game to San Jose and get a split with a team like that, if you don't mind me repurposing the sentence, um, particularly after you beat them 10-1 in the first game of the season, and San Jose has been better since, we should concede that. But that would be an opportunity loss. That's the sort of loss I think that would get under the coach's skin and, frankly, get under the player's skin as they take several days off for Christmas because that's it against San Jose, right? So other teams are going to get their crack or multiple cracks at the San Jose Sharks. And we talked about how important finishing first versus finishing second in the Pacific is this year. So take full advantage of the lame ducks, the free spaces on the bingo card on your schedule, get a victory on Saturday. And I think, you know, this loss will be all but forgotten. Post-game, Connor Garland was asked about his goal. He didn't want to go there, uh, but he was also asked about the play of this line. And we talked about the fact that three of them, Joshua, Bluger, and Garland, uh, each come out of this night with two points. Joshua and Garland score goals. Teddy Bluger with a couple of helpers. And Connor Garland was just asked about uh, the secret sauce here that's uh, working for that trio right now. Yeah, we just work hard. I think uh, we play a system that uh, rewards hard work and staying above so we, we try to listen to talk as best we can before games and follow the team's game plan to a to a t and uh you know pays off yeah to listen to him uh you know makes it sound pretty simple work hard and work hard and listen to the coach <laughs> apparently those hey, those are the keys to success let, let me ask you this jeff what's the status of his trade request is it still there are the canucks still entertaining that can they afford to trade connor garland the way he's playing right now yeah, we haven't heard uh, much of anything about that. And it is funny at the start of the year, I mean, Brock Besser, we, you know, if they could get out from under that contract, they still surely would. And I think the same thing would apply to, to Connor Garland. If there was a taker for the contract, I think they'd still listen, but he's almost that line. Where would their wingers be I, without no, Connor I, Garland? I know. Right so, but we've seen with this management group, if they can create some cap space, they're not afraid to use it. It's just been a struggle uh, to do that. So we'll see where things go. But that line right now, uh, playing supremely well, and uh, they've been fun to watch. That's the other thing. You know, they've played hard all season. Now they're starting to reap the rewards offensively of the hard work. Hey, speaking of hard work, picking three stars. So you mentioned it uh, a little bit earlier, uh, but it is that time of the program here. We do the rink-wide Vancouver three stars after every game. The three stars in the building as selected by Stars Radio. Matt Duchesne, Thomas Harley, and Dakota Joshua gets the nod. And... With all the respect to Connor Garland, who scored for the first time in five weeks, I think I I parrot the three stars in the building. I thought Matt Duchesne was good for the Dallas Stars. He had a goal. He also set up uh, Tyler Sagan off the rush to tie the game at one. Thomas Harley comes up and comes through with big... You know, they've got Miro Heiskanen, and Thomas Harley just kind of cruises along. Nobody talks about him, but nine goals from a defenseman. We know what that's looked like from Quinn Hughes. Uh, that's impressive stuff. Uh, from Thomas Harley, and he stepped up at a big moment there. So he's the second star. And Dakota Joshua opens the scoring eighth of the season, but then makes the nice feed. Boy, pretty goals, but Garland to oh. Joshua, and then Joshua back to Garland. And uh, Jeff, I wonder if that goal doesn't get scored, or the two goals don't get scored the way they do, as pretty as they are. I wonder if Joshua does send that puck back to Elias, or if he just fires it. 
You know, because it was a night where that third line scored absolutely gorgeous goals. So you do wonder whether that entered Dakota Joshua's mindset as he was on that 2-0 with Petey in the overtime. So again, with all due respect to Connor Garland, first goal in forever, and he doesn't quite crack the three stars. But he gets an honorable mention here uh, on Rinkwide Vancouver. We should point out as well, like they open the scoring two minutes and 51 seconds into the game. But remember... The very first shift, Teddy Bluger goes hard to the net, and then mm-hmm. Dakota Joshua comes out of the corner with a puck to the backhand. Like, they almost scored on their opening shift. Uh, it just took them a second shift, and ultimately, they were able to put the puck in the net. You know, one guy that we haven't talked about, and again, this is a Canucks postgame pod, but the Stars were the opponents. But when Jake Ottinger went down a week ago, Scott Wedgwood steps in and steps up for them. Matt, he has one outright loss in... Yeah. What is it now? 12 He's a good decisions. backup. He's a good backup. Like, there's a lot of talk about the Canucks having the best tandem in the league. The Boston Bruins would probably eject, object, but I think the Dallas Stars feel pretty darn confident yeah. in their goaltending as well. And so the Canucks learned about life without uh, Thatcher Demko a year ago. Ottinger's not going to be out long, but it's going to be Wedgwood uh, certainly through the Christmas break. They've got one game to go, and uh, he has done a nice job delivering results for the Dallas Stars. He gets the win, Thatcher Demko Tagged with the loss, albeit an OTL, so the Canucks get a single point. Again, their record at 22-9-3. They've picked up points in 25 of the 34 games that they have played here. Just nine outright losses and none since the New Jersey Devils came to town for the Hughes Brothers Bowl. Uh, seems like uh, a long time ago, and it was. I mean, that was uh, nine games ago. They're 6-0-2 since, so points in their last eight hockey games. I agree with the Dakota Joshua over Connor Garland selection, although it was razor tight there. Mm-hmm. I thought Joshua was a little more effective on the forecheck, although there were several cases tonight, Jeff, where it was like a double-team forecheck from the two of them, which was quite effective. I'll give Joshua the edge a little bit because he makes that fantastic poke check defensive play to start right. the 2 on tipping point. in the overtime. Uh, and that could have, should have been the difference. And, and frankly, a lot of candidates for the Dallas Stars, I mean, Robertson and Heiskanen with two-point nights and they don't get on the three-star list, nor not yours, well, not, not the, the inner It's not the six stars, Matt. No, I know. I the, know. we got to draw a line somewhere, but yeah. uh, just saying. And Dakota Joshua does some penalty killing as well, and the Canucks penalty killers yes, were perfect. Enough. So I, I think there was just a little bit more value added in his game. But it's nice to see. I mean, Connor Garland's been working hard. People have been focused on the two goals uh, one on opening night, the opening goal of the season, in fact, and then another one in Montreal. So long time coming. And anytime any of these guys that have been through these lengthy droughts, they get the one and you hope that the floodgates will open. But uh, I'm not so sure that I'm, uh, although the way that line's planned, who knows? Maybe uh, they will come in bunches now for Connor Garland. Jeff calling it. He's going to score January 27th <laughs> against Columbus at home. All right, mark it down. <laughs> you can set a clock by it now. Is that how this works? Okay. One segment still to come here. Rinkwide Vancouver. We'll get to the stat that stands out. I've got a good one. I think tonight uh, we'll get a little more listener feedback as well. And a few other things that uh, I want to get to as the Canucks fall 4-3 in overtime down in Dallas. This is Rinkwide Vancouver. Vancouver. Continuing to break down a 4-3 Canucks loss in Dallas. They go 2-0-2 on the road trip. 10 seconds away from a shootout. It was interesting. I was going through this in my head because Andre Kuzmenko didn't play in this hockey game. He was in the game in Minnesota. In fact, was the first shooter, if I'm not mistaken, for the Canucks. And so they would have had to go elsewhere, but neither 
Elias Pedersen nor JT Miller looked particularly solid in their shootout attempts against Minnesota. So I, I was just kind of curious to see the way that Ireland was going, mm-hmm. the way that Joshua was going. You know, Brock Besser didn't get a chance in his home state against Minnesota. Would they have gone, you know, completely uh, clean slate and tried three different guys? I mean, it'd be hard to go against JT Miller and Elias Pedersen. So we will never know on this night. Uh, we'll have to wait again. The Canucks have only been to the one shootout uh, and that was in mini at the start of the road trip. And only their fourth game beyond regulation this year, too, Jeff. Um, two, right. yeah. two overtime losses, the overtime win against the Islanders, and as you mentioned, the Minnesota shootout. So. Which brings me to the stat that stands out, and it's that very point that just four games to OT, but man, you think about the game breakers. You think about the star power that the Vancouver Canucks possess. Look at the NHL scoring leaders. They're one and three in games after yeah. regulation time. Now, you know, again, we talked about how tight it is at the top. Every point matters, whether you're clawing for a playoff spot or you're looking for seeding. Those are three points that have been left on the table. Other teams have stars as well. It's not as simple as saying, oh, the Vancouver Canucks have the better players. Uh, therefore, they should win every game. But one win in four games beyond regulation time with all that time and space and room to move, um, that, that stat stands out to me. I will add a little context, and only because I was in here with you in, in, on rink wide doing the game. Was there not a terrible missed penalty in the four three overtime the Ranger game? Yes. Yeah, but that doesn't mean no. That I mean, it still counts. I'm just saying. No, I'm saying the Rangers still could have won yep, in overtime enough. or the shootout if it had gone that far. But yeah, there was a a blown call that maybe should have led to a Canuck power play, but that's water under the bridge. And again, other teams at the top of their lineup, most teams have enough to. You know, throw guys out there that can be difference makers in overtime. And obviously, when you get to the playoffs, three on three rarely happens, not in overtime. I mean, unless there's all kinds of penalties. So uh, I'm not going to lose sleep over that record. It's just, it's a little bit of a surprise to me that they aren't a little bit better when it comes to that portion of, of the game. Well, and maybe that's a good transition into our listener feedback at Rinkwide Van, where Dr. Canadiana says Canucks can play with anyone. They're going to be hard to beat in the seven-game series no matter who they play. Also, no three-on-three or shootouts in the playoffs. So take the point and be happy about points in eight straight games. Don says Petey should have shot that one instead of passing on the 2-on-0. I think there were a lot of people out there, although we have one comment saying, no, Dakota Josh with the way he was going should have shot on that 2-on-0. Deedlebug, these are pretty evenly matched teams. Both have high in talent, good defense, and are well coached. Tonight, their goalie was a little bit better than ours. I would say it's a little broader than that deal. Their skaters were better than ours, if you will, as well. And then Ben sums it up by simply saying, PT needs a winger. Yeah. And I I think you can say one good game with Pius Suter, one poor game tonight, and kind of a middling game. The Chicago and Nashville games were both pretty good. Pretty good? Yeah. Okay. So two good, one bad. Yeah. Are we... Willing to give this more time, Jeff? Do you want to see more of that, or do you want to see Kuzmenko back up there? No, I think that's a card that Rick Tockett has in his back pocket now. If it's not happening for Kuzmenko or somebody else, uh, I think you know that you've got a guy with good hockey IQ that has played now a little bit with Elias Patterson, had a bit of success. But I'm ready to give Kuzmenko a bit of a run here. I just, they need to get him up and running. And even if he doesn't explode offensively five on five, I think the power play is better for him being a part of that first unit. I, I, I still am at a loss. I mean, it's the same component parts. 
he was so good around the blue paint last year on the power play, and that's a goal that he's just not scoring at all. Yeah, but that that goal is a function of so many other people doing their job to I get understand. the puck there, Jeff. So I can't pin all of that on that. When you say uh, take Kuzmenko out for a run on that top line, is that sort of like a last chance? And if it doesn't work, then you've got to look at moving the player because you know you got needs on that Pedersen line, but also on defense. Yeah, I don't know if we're getting to the absolute end of the line, but I do think that Rick Tockett is nearing the end of his patience. So what does that mean organizationally? Perhaps they'll have to figure that out. I mean, it's not great to have a guy making five and a half this year and next sitting in the press box. He's not the player that he was last year, but I still think he represents the idea of offense. Those goals that he scored last week against the two Florida teams, you know, the one-timer, and then the other one that he pounced on that quick buck and the snapshot beating Sergei Bobrovsky. Like, it's there... Uh, it just has to come a little more, and obviously Tockett needs to see a little bit more hustle and determination and the staples and all of that. Uh, I mean, this discussion isn't going away anytime soon. I would have been really curious, though, Matt. Uh, you know, Rick Tockett, like he sat Kuzmenko twice in the San Jose and Seattle games back in November. He sat Phil DiGiuseppe for a pair of games recently, but he hadn't gone to a third game for either one of those guys. Now, if the Canucks had won this one, that to me would have been a bit more of a test would he have broken up a winning lineup but again i think the door is now open it was not a good night for pdg and his line uh yeah you could nor take... suitor right so there's a lot of but entry think, points sure uh, suitor drops down i think he can bolster that fourth line and ultimately at the outset of the season i mean pia suitor and teddy bluger were supposed to be the three and four setters on this hockey club and they really haven't had that opportunity because Suter was out for a while. He comes back and and then he plays higher in the lineup than he was expected to. So Bluger was out earlier when exactly. Suter was in there. But no, I mean, I was a little surprised when Talkin went there because I just thought Pew Suter is the third best center on this team. But the way Teddy Bluger's playing, you're absolutely not going to interrupt what's going on on that on that third line. And I and I thought it was Look, Rick Tockett has made a lot of great moves this year, Jeff. A couple of weeks ago, I think we were asking the question, has he made a single bad move all year? I, I thought it was a, a dash of brilliance to try this because of what Elias said on Tuesday following the Nashville game, that he's an intelligent player, that he's a center that he trusts to cover for him defensively, not to mention a high IQ player who I think has got a little bit of a scoring touch as well, sees the ice reasonably well, but also that, you know, you you probably get more out of him playing right wing on the first line than you do playing fourth line center, right? And because you've got Nils Amon and Sam Lafferty, who can both play the middle, yeah. two different handed guys as well. So, you know, that helps you out on the fourth line a little bit too. I agree with you. It's in the back pocket. It's something you can go to. If you're still unwilling to give Kuzmenko the the cookie of of, of playing him back on the front on the on the first line. Uh, the Christmas gift, then I am willing to watch Suter play a little bit more there to see if you got even more than what we've already seen in those Nashville and Chicago games. Pia Suter got hurt. Uh, he finished the game in Montreal, but that was that game, the final game that he played before he disappeared for 14. Carson Soucy also got injured. Uh, I am making note of that. Uh, Friday will be a day off for the Canucks as they travel home at the end of a road trip. Uh, then Saturday, 
we'll have access to Rick Talk. And I'm going to ask for an update on Carson Soucy. We'll see. I mean, they said six to eight weeks. Like He might be skating when they've been out on the road here. So we'll see if we can get a better sense of any kind of time frame for a return on Carson Soucy. Uh, so the Sharks come to town. You talked about the 10-1 romp earlier this year. But they are 2-1 and one against San Jose. And for all the good the Vancouver Canucks have done, just the idea of a saw-off in a four-game season series against San Jose. You've got them in your building. You know you've got this break coming up. You should leave it all on the ice uh, in the final game before Christmas. So I do hope that the Vancouver Canucks put on a show for the home fans. Uh, they've been rewarded. The Canucks have been terrific on home ice, 12-3-1, their home ice record this year. So uh, people getting their dollars worth and their entertainment uh, out of the home team for the most part at Rogers Arena, and we'll see what happens. Uh, but they also know that uh, if they take their eyes off the prize here, the Sharks team has beat them once, and it can happen again. So curious to see how the Vancouver Canucks go into that Christmas break. And again, they've done so much good here in the first half. I don't think a loss to the Sharks would spoil Christmas entirely, but turkey might not taste quite as good. A good hockey game, not the result the Canucks ultimately wanted, but take another point, add it to the collection, 47 now on the season. And there they are atop the NHL standings, which is a crazy phrase that I don't think anybody <laughs> would have expected to hear in this market at the outset of the season. A fun game, fun show, Matt, uh, as Thank always. You. Appreciate uh, you riding shotgun here, sitting in as well. Mike Rogerson behind the scenes, putting this all together. Uh, thanks to everybody. Best of the season. We'll be back to do one more on Saturday after the Canucks take on the San Jose Sharks. This is Rinkwide Vancouver, and it's brought to you by Betway.